Welcome Sheikha Insisa Al-Sabah to Still She Rises. Still She Rises is an initiative of the Ubuntu Love Challenge and we are so happy to have you Sheikha Insisa Al-Sabah here with us today. A brief introduction but ultimately we would love to hear from you. Sheikha Insisa Al-Sabah is the founder of the Insisa Foundation. She's an incredible all-round woman, child women's rights activist, started her career in publishing and has come such a long way now running this incredible foundation supporting women across the world most certainly focused in the middle east really to find their own power and the rise and this is why we have invited you today shaka to have this discussion with us as part of still she rises we don't like to introduce people in this conversation we really like for everyone to hear from you who you are. So we'd like to ask this question and we ask it to every woman that we talk to. And it's a simple question, which is, who are you? And now ask it 10 times. And uh -huh. ask that you start the answer with I am. Okay. I will not emote, I will simply listen. So the question, Sheikha and Tissa, is who are you? I am victory. Who are you? I am, I, and that's what my name is in Arabic. And um, yeah, I am, I'm victory. Who are you? I'm a woman. Who are you? I am me. Who are you? I am Gaia. Who are you? I am nature. Who are you? I am peace. Who are you? I am peace. Who are you? I am light. And last time, who are you? I am in the flower. Oh, I like. <laughs> 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 I 
I didn't know that in Sissam meant victory. Really, really, really I like I like how at the end I got to the original Arabic one, not not the victory. I like it more. Yeah, you are in Sasar, and on this journey of being, of being light, of being Gaia, being peace, being in Sasar, what have been some pivotal moments of your rise, of your becoming? Oh my God, they've been huge. I mean, I, see, I don't think there's been one big thing. I think it's a cog and every time I, you know, like I rise a bit, it just goes, ching, one more, ching, one more, ching. It just keeps, keeps turning. I, I, I love it. Uh, one of my pivotal ones was... Um, I think one of my pivotals in my journey was to have four girls. For sure. One to be born as a girl and um, being told that they preferred that I was a boy. And then having four girls and realizing I preferred with everyone that she was a boy. So I think that's a pivotal point in my life to come to terms with being a female and to embrace it. And uh, I've come to this place where now it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm a female. It's not 100% because I feel it's not 100% yet, but it used to be like very low and now it's like in the high, um, like if not late 80s and early 90s of being really um, coming to terms with who I am and embracing it fully and realizing my god there's so much strength in being a female lots of strength that's that's really beautiful and such an incredible um truth that we are hoping and we trust that we're unearthing in these conversations on the power and the beauty of being female in spite of all the challenges. So the question for you. Oh, I don't see, I don't see it in spite of. Okay. I think, okay, okay. Now, one of the things that I'm, I know some people are going to argue with me on this and some people will completely understand what I'm saying. Our, our perception creates our reality and uh, my perception created my reality and my reality was uh, female struggle females cannot uh, for whatever reason that cannot be from physical to mental whatever the reason is and so what I've realized it's it's I'm not challenging it I am just realizing that it's my self-imposed thoughts and that's what I think on myself but I shouldn't really be um so reflecting it on everyone else, because some, well, a lot of women, not, not most, I won't even give a percentage, a lot of women have not, have decided they don't want to struggle and they're fine with not struggling and not wanting to be anything that we want them to be. So the struggle is when I want to change my perception, not reality. 
just my perception. I think that's a struggle. And this journey of changing your perception and seeing how that affects your reality, what have been some fears that you might have had to overcome or change the perception of? Uh, I think, the, not I think, I know the biggest fear I had was not being worthy or, um, yeah, I think not being worthy. And it comes in different um, dilutions according to the scenario. So uh, not being worthy to because I was born as a girl, okay? Not being worthy because um, I didn't think I was smart enough. Not being worthy because I didn't think I deserved this or this or this. Um, not being worthy as, as, and again, this is my perception. Again, I'm talking about my perception. Being a mother in the Arab world, well, in the Gulf, let's say, let's define it here, without a son. So it's all of these worthiness issues. And okay, so usually in, 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 in our part of the world, the girls don't go into the business. Again, that's my perception because a lot of girls do go. So I'm, I'm talking about my perception. So breaking my perception because once i broke it i realized oh my god look at all these families their girls are heading their empires why did you think you were not worthy again it's i had to deal with my thoughts and my beliefs and i realized once i i sort of let the guard down on my belief it's like suddenly oh seriously well you when your belief is not true look at her but your belief is not true look at her so it's it's a lot of Issues that come down to my beliefs that I don't deserve as much as I should be getting. I mean, even in marriage, it, it's beliefs of, of unworthiness. So it's, it's, it's been quite an interesting ride. And I'm so glad my daughters don't have it. I did well. I did well. They don't have it. Oh, my God. They, they feel they deserve everything. So... I think that's one of my proudest moments when they say something and I'm like shocked because I wouldn't have thought this. I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have acted this way. And then I say, yay, well done. You did well. <laughs> they don't have glass ceilings. Oh, that's a, it's so beautiful to hear. And I, I really love the moment you say, I did well. So glad to see my daughters don't have yeah. it. And within that, the power of role modeling, which it's, I hear you also speaking to, I see this woman doing that and I go, oh, you can run an empire. I see this girls and these women. So role modeling and guides play such an, a critical role for us all. Yeah. And the question for you is what have been some of the guides that have come your way on this journey of unraveling your perception, this journey of accepting um, your perceptions, the power they have to shape your reality, be it 
you know, to your own words and having four girls and the growth that comes from that journey to you finding your own worth. Who have what and who have been your guides along the way? Well, there's been lots and lots and lots of women and lots of men. Um, from the demanding woman that I used to really hate. And now I look at her and say, oh my God, well done, kudos for doing this. You deserve it, you ask for it. From um, from the women who really, really seriously run the families and, and run the husband too. And, and, and I used to think, oh my God, no, 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 she shouldn't be doing that. And now I think, oh, well done. He allows it. She likes it. It's a beautiful combination and it works. So I think the biggest role models have been for me the ones I hated the most. And the reality is the ones who are sometimes personified as... Um, You know, they're given the, the B word and now I look at them and I think, oh my God, nicely done. I'm not talking about the ones that are so fear-based that they're quite lethal. Those are not my role models, no. I'm talking about the ones who just stand up for their rights and they won't budge. And unfortunately, us as women, sometimes because they are just pushing the boundaries so much, Again, this is my perception. Me as a woman, because they push my boundaries so much and I don't find that I can do that yet, I am in a way, I used to be in a way, get angry with them. And so I give them the B word. And now I look at them and say, yay, well done. So these have been my biggest role models, you know. Uh, women who have not shied away from their power, who have not downplayed their abilities, who have um, just asked for what they want, demanded it until they got it. So it's not one woman or two. I mean, I could sit there all day and talk about different names, but it's mainly the characteristic that's been my, that, that I think that's the mentoring part. When I met you, I remember a few years ago now, you looked at me and I think you said, I want to change the lives of 10 million women. I might get the- One number. million. Is it one million? One million, yeah. 1 million women, because you work as a SAF foundation with women that have gone through the most difficult experience, which is that of war and watching that and experiencing that. And I remember being so in awe of your strength and your conviction and your focus. And right here, you're saying who, women who do not downplay their power and their ability. I see you as one of those women 
and you work with other women to teach them that, what inspires yeah. you? What inspires you to keep going in the work that you do or as a, as a human, as in Tassar? Okay. So thank you for that question. Um, what inspires me is the fact that I am unstoppable. And, and the unstoppable part isn't that people are trying to stop me. Is my, my, not even my determination or my energy or all of that. No, it's every time I reach a, a sort of a milestone in what I can give in this world, a new window, a new door opens and it's like bigger. So every time I reach another milestone, it's like it gets bigger. So um, my my milestone, well, my my journey now takes me to um, supporting one million Arab women affected by war, so they become peace builders in this beautiful world of ours that is unfortunately uh, the highest. I think it it has the highest number of countries or it's a region that's the most it at war and that has the most conflicts and so my um, I like what my mission because it's I really didn't choose it it chose me is how to allow not even allow how to nudge and 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 make women realize that by growing their voices but and also by growing their internal capacity they can be peace builders in this region and it's 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 we're not doing it all we're doing is is giving them the space and 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 I wouldn't even call it a therapy because we use drama therapy, but giving them the space and the tools for them to raise their voices, be seen, be heard, but also talk about um, their, their, um, their stories. You know, shame, once um, spoken about, ceases to become shame. So you diffuse the shame, you diffuse the anger, you diffuse all of these things that they're the building blocks of conflict, internal conflict. And so when the internal conflict is released and, and, and this serenity and peace starts coming up, with it comes strength, with it comes courage, with it comes allowing others to also to express themselves, allowing our children, allowing our families to also express and... and, and um, Allowing her to realize that she can do so much more than she thought she can. And, and this is the first thing that happened to me. I mean, I started with this, with, with myself. Um, came out of the, you know, during the, the, the Iraqi um, occupation of Kuwait or the Iraqi war in Kuwait, I also... Um, 
realized I lost, I never really had a voice. I was always told as a, when I was younger to, be, to keep quiet, you know. Um, and I believed it. That's it. The thing is, I believed that I had to be quiet. My sisters didn't, so they're okay. It's my belief. Uh, not all of my sisters. Some didn't, some didn't. Um, and then realizing that when you share your stories, they no longer consume you. And so uh, I did some therapy, different therapies and modalities and things like that. And then I realized the more I raise my voice, somehow my vibration rises. And with the vibration comes the ability to have more courage, the ability to feel more worthiness, the ability to feel more grounded and more powerful than I ever thought I could. So it's really interesting how the voice and, you know, being present, the presence and the voice uh, makes, made me. I mean, I, I wear colors all the time. I mean, you can't be more, more um, noticeable than that. I'm muted today, but usually I'm, I'm much more colorful. Um, and this has been one of my challenges is how to sort of propel myself to go from Bay, oh well, dark colors like grays and browns to, to beiges, to whites, to full-on color. It's a transform, transformative journey of just putting myself out there and allowing things to happen. I have goosebumps listening to you from the word unstoppable to that transformation that you speak of and how your work really stems from your own lived experience, the power of your voice, the power of stepping into your capacity, the power of shedding the layers that don't serve and using your voice as a tool, almost yeah. like a, a, a chiseling tool and allowing yeah. what comes from that. And you already alluded in Tisartu, Chicken Tisartu, the, the challenges within that journey, the challenges of shedding. And I, I would love yeah. to hear a little bit more on that journey from being this girl that was told to be quiet to this woman that is bold and vibrant and powerful and unstoppable. Yeah. Very interesting journey. And I, and I know for sure that, you know, what our beliefs are, you know, the world will mirror our beliefs until we let go of them. And um, I got married. Uh, I, I was the youngest in my sisters to get married. So I got married at 20. And uh, it wasn't a very um, good marriage and, and didn't last long. And um, my, my, my husband at the time just mirrored what my thoughts about myself were. Um, so for years, I was angry with him until I realized, oh my God, I'm angry at my thoughts. He was just saying what I thought I was 
because if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't really get angry, would I? If someone came and told me something like, oh, you're an orange rhinoceros, I would be laughing. Like, seriously, I'm not orange and I, I'm, I don't think I'm a rhinoceros. I would think, oh my God, they're, they're blind. Then why is it I would get angry when, when someone would say to me, you're not, you're not smart or you're stupid, unless I believed it. So my husband at the time just mirrored all my thoughts about myself. It was very painful because I believed them. So it was very interesting. Uh, I, 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 our marriage only lasted about four years. Very interesting that now I'm so in love with what he did to me. So grateful because it was one of the sparks that ignited my, I don't know if another way to say it, my revenge factor to prove myself. So I might, I don't know, I might have needed to hear this for me to want to change it. So thank God he married it enough for me to say, oh my God, I don't want to be this. So I, I started working in a different way. Um, so this has been my life with lots of journeys of discovering that what, what unnerves me, what pains me is what I believe, not what people say or what people project or any of that. It's if I believe it, I have to work on it. Um, so I went from I wasn't really ever a quiet girl. I, I, I never was a quiet girl. I was always uh, mischievous and, and fun and all of that. But that just hit my insecurities. So I wasn't a clown, but there's a lot of insecurities. And uh, so I went from a girl who believed you know, to be quiet or believed oh, don't play, go study, go read a book, to, oh my God, that means I, I'm not smart enough. That, that's my belief. What was said is, you know, don't play all day, go read a book. My, my head was, oh my God, you should not be having fun. You're too unsmart. And so these beliefs have, what, have, have been the ones where I've had to sort of, as you said, just chisel them and remove them and, and get rid of them in my system, not in people, because once I let go of a belief, no one reflected it to me anymore. Ah, it's gone. So the little girl went from believing she should be quiet, believing she's not smart enough, she's believing she's not good enough, to getting to a place where, oh my God, I am as good as it gets right now. I know in a few years I'll get even better, but for now, I am as good as it gets. I've, I'm hearing so many really powerful lessons from your share, your story, how your story is your power, your voice is your power, how your belief is, starts with you. No one can, can make you feel anyway if you don't feel that way yourself and the journey the active journey of consciously moving through your own limiting beliefs and once you do that it's gone i think it's something that's really 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 powerful and i know there's so much 
more that you have learned along the way, Sheikha and Sasar. So the question I have for you is, what would you say are some of the key lessons on this journey of being in Sasar that you'd like to share with us? Some of my key lessons. What have been some of my key lessons? Okay. Some of my key lessons is you only get what you can handle. So uh, God will only give you what you can handle. And um, so you have to handle it. You have to work with it. You can't run away from it. Because if you run away, it'll come to you another way. And another way until you and you until you deal with it it's it's not a question of i want to punish you it's simply you need to know this because you can handle it because then you can go to the, you know to the, to the second stage and then it's the stage above that so the key lesson was well, one of my key lessons is this all happens for me not to me all happens for me and not to me once that realization came, that part of me that felt victimized no longer, no longer is even in this whole equation. Or if it's there, it's like for seconds now, it comes as, oh my God, you're so cute. You think you're a victim. Oh God, no, handle it. No, 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 no. Don't belittle yourself. Don't make yourself smaller than you actually are or can be. Uh, uh, don't, 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 don't. So this was one of my key uh, lessons in life. And the second key lesson is if you want to be a warrior, oh my God, for sure you're going to get lots of battles. So make peace within yourself. Stop wanting to be a warrior and things get easy. That's why the struggle part is what I don't adhere to now. Because if I think things are a struggle, for sure they're going to be a struggle. The belief is they are a struggle. So what happens? For sure. I'm going to have one struggle after the other. When the belief is this comes to me with total ease, then there's no struggle. And if, it, if, if I'm still struggling, then I think, oh, so the belief is not strong enough yet that it should be ease. So I, whenever it's a struggle, I just stop resisting. I stop like, no, no, just, okay. So where can you be at more peace? And then things just fall in place. I, I love that invitation. Where is the struggle? But within that, where can you be of more peace? Yeah. And how can you know that things happen for me and not to me? Yeah. I think my big takeaway is this power of hearing again and again your perception and how that can shape reality and how you have an active role to be conscious of your own beliefs and with that move through them in a way that allows for your voice and your power and your capacity to grow and for your rise to be so thank you for that thank you for your wisdom for your lessons and 
maybe a final question, Sheikh and Tassar. Who are you? I'm still discovering that. <laughs> but something really beautiful. Really beautiful. What is your hope for women across the world? I'll tell you what my hope for me is, and maybe with that will come what is my hope for women? My hope for me is to be in peace and at peace. To be totally in love with myself, therefore to love everything in front of me. Um, to accept myself, therefore accept everyone else. And for women, it'll be all of the, all of the, of, you know, the peace, the acceptance, and the love, and then the realization that we are enough, and that it's it's there. We, we can have anything we want, and it it can happen immediately when we just stop the belief. Because I've seen it. When I stop a belief, oh my God, it's like within seconds, like, oh, where did that come? How come I never noticed that? It's immediate, immediate. It, you know, it doesn't even take me a days or hours. Immediate realization that, oh my God, I've stopped the belief. I see the contrary of what I used to think. So this belief of struggle, I would love to stop that. On that incredible note of knowing our own power to stop and to seize um, the story that we want to tell. Thank you, Sheikha Intisa Ansaba, for joining us here at Still She Rises an initiative of the Ubuntu Love Challenge, weaving together the collective stories of women from across the world, knowing that story, our stories are powerful. Thank you for reminding us of that. And thank you for saying yes to the invitation to share your story. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this hour well, less than an hour of me reflecting on, this, you know, the questions have reflected on my beliefs. So it's thank you for revealing things that I need to be revealed. And um, thank you for this amazing stories that I know a lot of women would benefit from. So thank you for allowing to, me to be one of the stories. It is our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Shaken. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you.